everyone, Shannon Tipton here, and I'm really excited to get started with another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out, where today we are going to be tackling the topic of how to help self-directed learners. So without further ado, let's rock and roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. I am very excited to have this discussion today with you about helping self-directed learners. And I think it goes nicely with what we were discussing on our last coffee chat, which was all about supporting managers. So we can create these links now, can't we, between supporting managers and then supporting self-directed learners. And I think that That's an important connection to make because self-directed learners are challenged as it is. And if they don't have management support, then it becomes even more difficult. So that being said, let's go ahead and kick off this discussion. So that's the big question on the table, isn't it? How are we going to support self-directed learners? And I will kick off with this thought. You're in an organization and we all know that training has to be a holistic process, right? It's not connected to just one initiative or one behavior or one skill. It's, it's part of a bigger process. It's part of a bigger picture. And you usually have that virtual training or an e-learning or something that goes along with it. How do we motivate people to take those lessons or skills or behaviors and continue to build on them? How can we help create that motivation? What what are you doing in your organizations to make that happen? I'm a little confused. By build on them, do you mean use them? Or is that two different things? No, I don't know if that's two different things. Using them can be a lateral. I've learned how to bake a cake. Okay, Uh so now I'm going to bake another cake. So maybe building on that skill is now I'm going to make an opera cake, you know, so now I'm going to build on that skill. So, you know, you can go lateral or deep. Either way, we still have to create that motivation. I think for us, where I work, it really depends on what it is. You know, if it's something that they're really interested in, all you have to do is kind of pique their curiosity a little bit and people will be self-motivated. Mm-hmm. The other side, we have the compliance courses, which let's be honest, not everybody's super gung-ho on taking those cases. We always have the follow-up that kind of goes with it. Right. But again, that manager support is beyond needed with those. With either one, you make a good point between people who are excited and curious to learn something new versus, ugh, I have to take this program right now, you know, type of thing. And I think that there are two different solutions for the two different types. When you think about safety, you want people to be engaged in safety, right? We want them to keep that top of mind. So how do we keep them motivated to keep those lessons or skills or behaviors top of mind? I appreciate your thought about keeping curiosity up front How do you do that, though? How do you keep them curious? How do you keep that curious mindset going? 
for us, it's adding it to their goals <laughs> in general and what they're going to be measured on yearly, weekly, monthly, something like that. So having that in writing and adding it to build on, you know, every year build on mm-hmm. the skills they've already learned. Okay. I think that's great. Putting it in there. I think in not only in their goals, but maybe in management conversations, right? You know, we had it way, way back before any of this L&D stuff started, I guess. I'd have monthly conversations with my controller. He said, okay, this month I want you to learn this. And then he'd walk away. I'd have to figure out how to do it. How do you build a bill of material? How do you do an income statement? How do you give the answers to the president that he actually wants and not what's there? You have to figure all that out by yourself. And uh, it was a good learning experience for me because oftentimes never happened. And uh, then he'd come back and say, okay, why did you do that? Here's how it really works. Mm -hmm. I found that very useful. Okay. When we think about self-motivating, maybe we can take lessons from that too. What do we do to motivate ourselves? But sometimes ourselves isn't always the best example. We try to do things. We try to learn new things and we don't always get it into our calendars the way that we would like. Kristen, you said, depending on the audience, create some competition. So talk to me about that. For example, selling skills. So we're rolling out a new selling skills model. And every year we had J&J, Pfizer, whatever. We had national sales meeting and we decided that we wanted as a teaser to kind of kick off a brand new selling skills program that folks were going to have to go through. We decided we wanted to start with probing and listening skills. So at our national sales meeting, our leadership team members were kind of in each room. We kind of broke out into to rooms and they were helping to kind of co-facilitate, if you will, with all of the L&D folks in the room. We had trios and people were, you know, kind of role-playing and folks in the room kind of select the trio that, you know, kind of would go on to the general session room and uh, kind of perform in front of the general session room. And we had audience response systems and people would vote. And then we had an American Idol type of a voting system where we had the leadership team kind of be the Simon Cowles and Paul Abduls or whatever. Plus the audience also had the ability to vote as well. So it was a dual voting system that would kind of vote on the on the trio that actually A lot of voting going on. You know, it wasn't just the executive team that could weigh in. The other uh, sales folks could also, you know, have a say and it was weighted. So the trio that had the highest score got a prize, if you will. And it really created this amazing energy. And it was also at a time where Pfizer was going through a really kind of tumultuous time where we we were being potentially acquired by J&J, which was happening, but we didn't know who was going to acquire us at the time. And it just, the whole audience was just filled with like such engagement, so exciting. Our chief customer officer just said that if you could just bottle this energy up and take it home, like he wished, you know, he could do that because it was just such an exciting and thrilling experience for everyone, especially since kind of entering into this, people were so kind of disengaged and depressed because <laughs> they didn't know yeah. what, what their future was going to hold. So kind of fun way to engage all of our senior leaders in it and get everyone kind of excited 
to do something that for some of our, you know, kind of more seasoned sales leaders, you know, who've kind of been through a lot of flavors of the day, <laughs> right. didn't feel like being captives <laughs> and something that they felt like <laughs> I already know how to do this. <laughs> Why do I have to sit through another? Right. And that's the essence of a good challenge, isn't it? Is to lift up your knowledge. Now, out of curiosity, did you do any of this virtually or remotely or online or was it all there? No, no. This was actually at a national sales meeting. So this was all together. They're all spread out throughout the country. Everything's virtual all the time. And then so one time that they all come back together is like once a year at this national sales meeting. So it's kind of the flip of what everyone's experiencing today. Right. They only come together once a year. (laughs) So (laughs) when we think about applying something like Kristen's example, into self-directed learning, I think that there's some real application there when we think about building in competitions and building in leaderboards. Yeah, I think one of the components about self-directed learning is that even though people are dispersed, I believe that it's a good thing to have a home base, you know, so that home base could be Microsoft Teams or Slack or whatever it is that you use for people to come in and see new stuff or have conversations. And then that perhaps is where these sorts of competitions can take place, where they can then see a leaderboard or vote on certain projects or things that were submitted. So that might be something that just keeps momentum going. I know the use of leaderboards or badging. Anyone using badging by any chance or thought about using badging, Angela? We actually did use that with our last LMS system, and I think we fell into the typical pitfall where everybody depends on the leaderboard, but they're not actually doing anything with the leaderboard. We're not actually using that LMS system anymore, but we were also using badging to go with that as well. In some cases, it was very successful, but again, it kind of went with the leaderboard aspect of it. And it was really how our organization utilized it. We didn't utilize it properly. Mm -hmm. So there was a really good lesson there, learned. There is a good lesson there. (laughs) There is a good lesson. Before I get to that, I saw Victoria. Victoria, you were kind of nodding your head. Do you have experience in this area? No, I haven't used badges personally, but it's something that I've been thinking about. Again, just trying to get more engagement and ownership for people to take... (laughs) Right, right. We're just confronted right now with constantly people saying they're pressed for time and they don't have time to learn anything. I think that's always going to be there. And so it's like trying to come up with those creative approaches. Right, right. Well, I think the lesson here to be learned is understanding what your organizational culture is like and really what they're prepared to do and what resonates with them. So if you have an organization that is competitive in nature, then within your self-directed learning models, maybe there is a place for badging and leaderboards and that sort of thing. If it is a culture of deep learning where people really take pride in learning new things, then badging really can be that incentive where people are like, I actually learned this. I got this certification. I have this micro badge or something along those lines. So it's really about understanding your organizational culture and where they all sit. What I like here is Linda 
where you mentioned clear availability and ease of access. Talk to me about that. So I come from an education background and I found uh, one problem is at the time we did not have a set LMS. We had Blackboard, but we also had a county website and then we had, you know, whatever website or in-house thing for each new thing we learned. So we would have free access to all sorts of things, especially through Blackboard at the time and have no idea it was there. Or we'd hear about it in a staff meeting kind of, you know, for those of you who want to do extra, this is available and then not be able to find it and no one would know. Okay, so there's this training, but how do we get to it? I'm sure some of that has been improved since uh, I was a teacher some 10 years ago, but I found the same thing as a student that we had a lot of resources, but we just didn't always know where to go. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the teachers, they didn't know either. So absolutely. Anyone who's been hanging with me for any amount of time has heard me say, You can have the best training in the world, but if people can't find it, they can't use it. Exactly. So I think what you're talking about here is something that is critically important to self-directed learning. Where are the assets being stored? Are they properly tagged? Are they properly filed? Can they get to them within a couple of clicks? You know, and there's a joke that entrepreneurs use. They say, where does your business go to die? The second page of Google. Because nobody goes to the second page of Google. Nobody does. So if you think about your content and where you're storing it and how you're storing it, people don't have the patience to go looking page after page after page. So when you're thinking about self-directed learning, it really is about helping them find the information that they can really use. Stella, I like what you're saying here about your onboarding initiative here. So walk me through this, if you don't mind. So I contact the staff personally, I give them a short ring, and then I welcome them, especially now in Corona, it's, it's very difficult. And then I try to find out about their background. You know, some is not very technical. And though we are in the biotech industry, they need to know 300 products, very different methods. So it's very intimidating, but I try to find out what they know already. And then I make suggestions, start here, do this, and don't do this. And this is very difficult. And if you have problems, don't try longer than five minutes and come back to me. And then I look up the data from their clicking and tracking. Then I praise them and compliment them. And I always also in other courses, I do train the trainer courses. When you compliment adults, I often observe they are not used to it. This is really the key. Very often in train the trainer courses, I stop and I talk to the people and say, I see little crystals flying in the air. It's magic what you're doing here. Don't you realize? So, And then they feel so confident. And I think this is one of the keys to really get to them emotionally and have the confidence in them. Then I contact them uh, five minutes every second week. And I think this helps them very, very much. Wonderful. That is wonderful. I love everything that you're saying there. And I love that. I see the crystals. (laughs) That just made me smile outside and inside. I think you're so dead on. As adults, I think we just get so used to doing things matter-of-factly. And when people give us a compliment a lot of us, myself included, are like, nah, that was just luck. And, uh, you know, and it's really tough to have that moment where you really believe in yourself yeah, yeah. and having somebody believe in you. 
There's a lot of power in that. I usually have to make a yellow note in my um, document. Praise the other person, you know, praise every individual. I'm not a trained trainer. So I always have to remember, yes, I will praise them. I will find something to compliment. I truly appreciate that. And it goes to something we've talked about before in other chats, which is connecting to people emotionally. Even in self-directed learning, when we're not literally in the same room or even on their learning journey with them. I think that there are opportunities to connect emotionally with them. And I like what you said, Stella, just simply reaching out. You know, we don't have to call every single person, but if you can reach out and touch a few who are new, you know, or maybe who have shifted positions or something along those lines, I I think that that really makes a big difference. I learned this from a primary school teacher who told me once, In every lesson, she wants to touch every child for some seconds. So every child feels, I am important, I am there. An example, one of the things that Karl Lagerfeld would do, and I don't know if you know who he is, but when he entered a room, he greeted everybody, shook their hand, and spoke with them. And then if the show was late, it was late. But that's what he did. And his entourage was there. And he greeted everybody, regardless. And I think that's what you're saying. People want to be noticed. Mm -hmm. And I think if we notice that people are really engaged in their learning path and we acknowledge that, then that makes them want to continue rather than feeling that they have been, you know, lost out in the universe and nobody's really paying attention to my journey. And Victoria, I like what you said here also in the chat about issuing nudges and reminders about the learning resources that are available. How is it that you are nudging? There are a variety of means. So we'll, we'll send out emails, um, we'll put things on our SharePoint page. And then most recently, we just started a weekly learning corner post on our learning and development Slack channel. And so I, we try to highlight e-learning on the LMS or um, just even little tidbits about learning or running polls. So again, just trying to get people engaged and keeping learning front and center for them, because I think they keep thinking, again, I don't have time to do this. And it's like, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. You can spend five minutes a day and learn something or just, you know, get in this habit of thinking about it. And so that's what we've been trying. We haven't gotten a lot of response, but again, I think we just, we're just going to keep trying and see, see if it'll stick. That's exactly it. And I've used Slack and workshops that I've conducted myself and sent out nudges via Slack. I'm a big believer in email, even though email kind of is the bane of our own existence. Sometimes we all get a lot of email, but it's one of those things that's very dependable, where if you write a short email, not like, you know, something that they're scrolling, 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 you know, get to the point right up front, tell them what you want them to do or need them to do and why you need them to do it. And then just call it a day, you know, those sorts of communications become really powerful. And then one of the things that we do as learning rebels is we also write chat bots and such like that for organizations. And you can use those as nudges, you know, where you can send a a text message saying, have you stretched today? Did you stand up today? Did you read something today? You know, it's a little, you know, reminder sorts of things. So the power of nudges I think cannot be underestimated when it comes to self-directed learnings. It puts them back in that moment. When we think about connecting with them emotionally, 
What do you think about one of the items that I put on the list in the reminder email that went out this morning that was about helping them connect learning to their own personal values? What are your thoughts on that? I had one this morning. I uh, create video content videos and you know who Tracy Parrish is. So I sent one off to her and I said, what do you think? And she wrote back, she says, the fact that you've done it this way, I use the cameras and the, the scene changes, makes it very compelling for the viewer to watch and to be engaged every time in the whole video. It's 23 minutes long, but my thought was if I cut it up, it makes it more interesting. And I just got confirmation from somebody who I respect in the uh, mm-hmm. instructional design field that she felt that this was a very compelling way to teach. I was in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> right? That connects with people. It really does. So how can we do more to help people connect learning to their values? Okay. What are their values? Right? Exactly. So that's the hard part. We don't need to tell them what their values are. We just sort of have to help them make the connection. If something aligns with my values or aligns with me personally, I think naturally we're going to be more engaged. How can we do that? Does this include corporate values? Sure. I always tell people, you know, hopefully you work for a corporation whose values aligns with yours. Well, you would think so. And you, you would, would think so. so. <laughs> One thing I do is I send out quotes every week, and these are just okay. generic quotes from Einstein to Napoleon to Shauna Rhimes to whatever. And it, I try to take it and then connect it to the topic, which is usually highly technical, but kind of how to use that. You know, oh, this brings to mind this time we went through this problem or something like that. So I have a whole list of business appropriate quotes that I do, and I send out once a week. It takes maybe five minutes, and that seems to receive some good feedback as far as like reminder of a value usually mm-hmm. is the quote. It's not technical versus the, the technical association with it. What a great idea. It is a great idea because you never know who you're going to reach. You know, sometimes they feel pithy, but you never know. Somebody may actually take it to heart, and that's what you're trying to achieve. For us, one of the things that we do is we call out some of that secondary or underlying content that may be important to specific people. You know, so if whatever the topic or skill is, what are some of those secondary things that are built into the learning? You know, is it DEI or is it culture change? Is it climate issues? Like there's a lot of different things that people are passionate about Mm -hmm. and personally want to make movement on and, and see change. So looking for ways that we can highlight some of those secondary things that if this is important to you, that is built into this learning. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that. I like making mention of that because I think that those connections are there. When we say by taking this course or by, by participating in this program or taking this learning journey, then this affects your relationships with not only your team, but also personally that can help you build your personal relationships. So I think that we can make some solid connections between a learning journey path. And like you said, some of those secondary goals or even connecting some of, I hate to say soft skills, but they're more, you know, human skills that we can connect some of those human skills And people can see the importance of that. And maybe they become more invested in sticking in the learning journey. And speaking of learning journeys, 
when you think about a self-directed learning process, do people know what the journey path is? We started using LinkedIn Learning Pass. Our organization signed up with LinkedIn Learning last year, and the ability to create our own learning pass with some of the courses in there has been, it's been easy, which is nice and good. It's relatively new, so not a lot of buy-in yet, but it's been helpful. Baby steps. Our learning management system allows for team members to create their own playlists, basically. So Mm -hmm. they can add their own courses in, they can set the order that they want to. And it shows with like software simulations, for example, if it's something that they use quite often, it'll go at the top of the list. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's hard to personalize it, but if you can help people, if you can give them like that GPS, right? That says, here's a suggestion. You can go this way or you can go this way and still get to, you know, the point of interest, right? Jason, I'm curious, are you doing anything in that area? We are not currently, but it's something we've been talking a lot about as our department grows. We're only a two-year-old department, so it's been an uphill battle with our company culture around training. What's the struggle? We're a very billable uh, operation. Uh Everything we do has to be billed to a client. They don't want to build anything to overhead. So <laughs> the less we can make people do training, the better is the right. idea that yet they want training for everything. Right. That's a challenging environment. That really is. Especially when as soon as you said billable, I did an internal. Ugh. Yeah. Because anything that's going to take away from those billable hours is going to be frowned upon. So that's an interesting challenge. What ideas can we put out there that might help? in that particular situation, because I'm sure he's not the only one. We ran into this in God 64, trying to come up with uh, where you're going to put variable overhead uh, as far as uh, product cost is concerned. And management never liked where we put it. We're all bean counters. They said, no, no, we can just ignore that. So, well, I'm sorry, but employee benefits does belong in the cost of the product. Maybe not in the cost of goods sold, but certainly in the cost of sales. They never went for it. So right. it's a challenge, you know, and, and I agree. What's billable? Everything. Every second you're alive is billable within the corporation. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And so that means then that we've got to try to bring people in and have them participate in their learning journey before work, during lunch. <laughs> right. And in some cases, you, you cannot mandate that just because of labor laws, right? So we cannot mandate that. That means it's got to be voluntary, which adds a a layer of complexity to it. And I think what we're talking about here in regards to connecting it to their values, creating some motivation like Stella does, and then maybe creating that level of competition, as Kristen was discussing, then maybe... We can get people involved, but mostly it has to be then a topic that's going to resonate. That means then we have to answer that. So what question? Yeah. If I participate in this training, so what? Right, Jason? Yeah. And that's one of the things that we're introducing this year as we go into our review cycle is actually having those development conversations, something that they have found has been lacking within the management structure. Nobody talks to their people about where do you want to go? Do you want to work out in the field forever? Do you want to just be an engineer doing this? Or do you want to be a project manager? 
So having those conversations now is going to help kind of drive that journey and help us kind of shape that to create that motivation. Mm -hmm. Are you able to leverage any ROI or retention numbers or data behind that? That is something that is in the last two years really has started to come to light and because we've seen people leaving and they started doing exit interviews and finding out why are you leaving? And one of the biggest complaints was, well, I had no idea where my career was going and I never got any real training other than this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder about the power of in that journey path. So even though it wasn't customized directly to you, Jason, or you, Lorraine, or you, Don, maybe if it were generic enough to say, you want to improve XYZ skill, communication, business writing, blah, 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 blah. Here's the path that you can take. We can provide you with this. Here is this piece of information. Here's this video course. Here's this podcast to listen to. Here's this, here's this, here's this. And you can supply them with those nuggets that will take them from point A to point B. So I'm working in an organization that um, we're mandated to support SMEs in Ireland in the tech sector. This is why I was just interested to see what this conversation was about, because um, my connection is that I work with SMEs closely and we provide grant aid to support them with their online learning. We use two platform providers. I'm effectively the customer of that vendor. Our customers are the SMEs. I am a manager of the accounts for with all these different companies, and we're trying to promote the use of the learning on the platform. And one of the platforms in particular that we promote or we, we support with grant aid to the clients, it provides that natural learning path for that individual. So when they go in onto the platform and they take a skill IQ, you know, you have to kind of make sure you're communicating that it's not a test. It's simply to identify their actual personal learning path in a particular topic. And um, every time you take one of these skill IQs for the, the particular topic, you are rated as maybe novice or proficient or expert. You're asked a question on the little short exam. The next question is determined by your knowledge or lack of. So it's, it's really effective in terms of then following their own learning. So we're always kind of promoting companies to kind of, I suppose, roll it out very slowly in, uh, with marketing and communications within the organization, send out newsletters, all that kind of thing, and then maybe get a champion learner, somebody who maybe is a little bit ahead and to promote that on lunch and learns during the, the work week. And also, if they can, provide designated kind of learning time within that week, even if it's a half an hour once a week, so you get effectively two hours a month. So that's the type of thing we talk to companies about. That was great. I have questions. The skill IQ, how is that developed? Do you bring somebody in to do that for you? Is that just informal that you all created? How did you go about creating that? It's integrated into the platform. Okay. So they have whatever amount of topics, whatever. It's mainly IT now, so it's very much kind of um, technical what is required to be a proficient software engineer and all of these different areas and it's filtered down and down and down with whatever topics or whatever subjects then the other thing on that platform is they have what's called a role iq so from a hr perspective they can identify what skills are involved in this x role and then for somebody that wants to maybe potentially get promoted in the organization you're able to direct them to this particular skill iq and they say you have five out of the eight there's three you need to work on if you get proficient in those areas you have a really good chance of of that promotion that's great what platform is that 
uh, floral site. Uh, if you'll put that in the chat for me, that would be great. I think it's American based. But there are other companies that do this sort of thing. I've been working with another company, it's called SkillNet, and they put competency type IQs together, which is very cool. Same sort of thing. What's SkillNet and stuff? Because I work for digital SkillNet. Oh, I don't know. SkillNet here in the US. Oh, right. Okay. It's different. I know another umbrella, I guess, in the US. So we, I work for Technology Island Digital SkillNet. Again, all these little umbrella SkillNets to support the different industry sectors. Yeah, right. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. See, it's my world. So anytime that we can connect that and you don't have to do anything really formal either, I think, because there are several platforms that will allow you to build these sorts of quizzes. You know, we know we got the Kahoot thing and all that, but there are other platforms specifically for this, that even if you just ask them a few qualifying questions, At the end, you might be able to point them into a certain direction that says your skills are, I wouldn't label them beginning, intermediate, or advanced because people get kind of put off by that language. You know, so you could say it's going to drop them into this bucket or this bucket or this bucket, and then you can give them some assistance, right? So it doesn't have to be something hugely technical or cost a lot of money. You know, it just takes a little bit of your time, but I am so on board with that idea, Lorraine. You know, because I think it hits all of our tick marks here about helping them discover their own need and building their own motivations. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is answering the question why, having the answer to that question first. Right. And, and like one of the other um, ladies was saying, yeah, it has to be personal. I think it has to be a case of, you know, that the managers are invested in the person's personal and professional growth. And that is fed through. So there's a relationship there. The relationship is key, I think, first. Mm-hmm. And that they're interested that not only that that person like learns and grows for the purpose of their organization, but learns and grows so they get the benefit of them while they're in their organization. Then they move on. So that has to be communicated, I think. Yes. And that connects with their values too, doesn't yeah. it? So again, it's like tick, 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 tick. We could have just let Lorraine lead the call today. I think we would have been okay. Um, <laughs> that's all great thoughts and it's all interconnected. Deb, did you have something you wanted to add? So my challenge is that I train customers how to use the software my company makes. And a lot of times they have to have a certain skill set before they even attempt to learn our software. And I have noticed that within the past two years, especially because of COVID and everything else that's going on with people leaving jobs and and moving to different places is that those learners that are going to be using our software don't have those skills. And it is up to them to get them. Probably what I missed last week about getting management buy-in is there's no good way as an instructor that I can get their company's manager buy-in. Right. Except to say, you know, They need these skills and you need to give them time to do so. And like Jason was saying, right, about having time, I have talked to some of the people's managers and I go, look, they have to do something every day, even if it's only for 30 minutes, because if they don't, then they'll never be able to implement any of this software and apply new skills. That's why I joined today, because I thought maybe there was something that we were missing. And like LinkedIn learning, I did make pathways, but I don't think anybody looks at that. And we have tons of videos. They're short. Some are five minutes. Some are 15 minutes on specific things. And I kind of write all the skills out that everybody needs in a document. But 
sometimes the documentation that I generate, because we call it a customer expectation document, is overwhelming. Like they need to have all of these skills and they need to be able to learn these things, but it's hard to learn this if you don't know how to use Excel. And it's hard to do this if you've never used Adobe InDesign. And the managers typically, because they're very intensive billable workshops, are like, well, I don't want them doing that. I want them doing this. And so it's very hard to <laughs> be right. So oh, yeah, you, you have to say, well, in order to do this, they have to learn that, or you have to have somebody that has that skill before you even attempt it. So I've talked to them and said, sometimes you have to hire outside people to come in that already have that skill if you're not going to give this person the time to learn it or they don't want to learn it, right? Here's my initial thought, and I'll let you all add on to it. When we're thinking about providing learning for customers, then it becomes a marketing issue. So maybe rather than uh, customer expectations, maybe it's finding a gentler way to say that. So it could be help us help you. That's the title of it. Help us help you, you know, and then you can put together short little things that they can participate in before they jump onto a training program or before they download something. I don't know. And then it becomes part of your website. So part of your website is here are some free pathways for you to take so we can help you be better at whatever it is you need to do. So maybe it's just putting a different spin on some of this. I get past the daunting when I ask the corporation or the client or the small business, what do you want? What are your expectations of your business? And how do we get there? Tell me the story. And then once we know that, we can build a storyboard. We can build a pathway. We can build whatever. And then we say, okay, how do we get there? We have to do this, 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 and this. Are you willing to do it? Because if you're not, I'm leaving. That's easy to say from this perspective. But when you're dealing with customers. They're my customer. They call me in and say, Brian, you know, we need to make a video about our product. So Why? because it's don't talk to me about the product talk to me about the benefit to the client that's true i don't want to know about your product talk to me about the benefit to the client it's a short woman sitting on a bench reading takes her glasses off breaks them conflict crisis is a gorilla comes in hands her a tube of glue that's the resolution the solution exists does she take it or doesn't she take it you've already presented the solution Mm-hmm. She glues it back together, puts her glasses back on, sits back and smiles. There's no script in this, and it's like 20 seconds. You've just given me a really great idea about addressing the customer need, right? And so really connecting that need to their path, right? So, Deb, if we build on Brian's example there, maybe as part of your customer expectations, that sort of little short video helping them understand the why might be of benefit. So something like that, Brian? Yeah, not why and what's your product made up. But why they should take this additional training. People just want to tell the time. They don't care how the watch works. Right. Okay? So you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to remove the daunt because they find it daunt, you know how to begin. Tell me about the benefit to your customer of your product. Once they get that set in their head, now we can discuss, okay, here's what we have to do. I have to come in and shoot for three days, blah, blah, whatever, right? So once they get the point of 
it's about the customer and not me. So you're going in and talking to your customer. What benefit does this program have for you? What's your benefit? And here's what we have to do to get to the end, to get to the resolution. It's storytelling, you know, beginning, middle, end. That's what it is, you know? Yep. And I love Kristen's idea here too. We can reach both people within our organizations and outside of our organizations using tactics like this because people love receiving things, right? And if we can give them that kind of nudge, then that might be a motivator to take it to the next level, right? Yeah. So we're trying to create that push, kind of like that headline, and then you can double click, (laughs) you know? So we were really trying to increase enrollment in some of our ILT courses. So we kind of cherry picked some of the courses I wanted to bring to people's attention with a headline. And I came up with this like seasonal idea and I would come up with like pithy kind of headlines that were silly and kind of corny. Fall sometimes. in love with learning. I like that. Yeah, call. fall in love with learning. <laughs> uh, learning is a gift, you know, the holiday time and, and then just highlight that. And then I would always curate certain LinkedIn courses based on our leadership principles or whatever you have your values or your competency models or whatever. So because LinkedIn is a, a black hole of amazing courses, but to your point, nobody's going to look at your pathways, even though I created them too. <laughs> you have to kind of put them in their faces. So I would curate them in my seasonal thing. So I'd point them to, okay, here's development planning time. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. Goal setting development planning. So I'd, I'd kind of curate some things that were relevant based on where we are in the calendar year or things that I wanted to put in their faces. And I'd put them on this little e-card, not a lot, just a few that would draw them to that particular playlist or, you know, a particular few courses. So it didn't take a ton of time to develop at all. And once you get the template, then it's easy to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to build on that, I think, what if you sent out these e-cards, but every month or every quarter or however often you picked a subset? of your organization and sent them an actual postcard. I did that too. Yeah. So I would do mail drops and then I I did a breadcrumb approach too. So I actually did a teaser. So when I did a Linda.com, like I literally did who is Linda. And I just had the face (laughs) of Linda. Who is Linda? (laughs) Right. (laughs) When they walked in the door. So I did all these breadcrumbs in the plasma screen. And then I, had more and more day by day. And then they had a desk drop and they had an email and then they had, you know, so I did all that. So you can do stuff like that. Um, and then finally they had like the, in our cafeteria, you know, I had a LinkedIn rep in our cafeteria and then they could actually, you know, go and do demos of LinkedIn learning and or it was lynda.com at the time and get all the tchotchkes. So, Yeah. That's great. Thank you. And I think that's a great place to uh, stop because we are at the top of the hour. So thank you for that. And there was lots of great ideas here that hopefully some of you were able to grab nuggets to be able to think, how can I help the self-directed learner within our organization, help them stay motivated, get them motivated, help them stay engaged, provide them with the assets that they need in order to continue to build their professional growth and development. And the next chat is all about effective 
collaboration tools. So we all know the different collaboration tools, but how do we use them effectively? How do we really use them? And what can we get out of this sort of information? What kind of data or evidence can we get out of this to help us do our jobs better? And upcoming on February 23rd, we have our February Learn Something New Wednesday event, which is creating captivating video with Sarah Mercer from Learning Ninjas. And so she does animated videos, how-to videos, explainer videos. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And that was part of the Count email that you got today. <laughs> Dale Brian in. Good. Everybody's being dealt in. Excellent. So I look forward to seeing you all for that upcoming chat. Thank you for being with me here this Friday. Do you all have great plans this weekend? Uh, oh my gosh. Everybody's like, no. Come on. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I spent the last two days shoveling snow. Give me a break. Oh, I, I know. Shoveling snow. Ride. There's a lot of snow outies. That's for sure. Hopefully, Stella and Lorraine, you guys got some fun things happening where you are at. Uh, only learning, of course. <laughs> all, all learning, of course. <laughs> Well, I look forward to having this conversation with you guys again in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got some sunshine happening outside, so I'm going to try and, even though it's 40, try and enjoy that a little bit. I didn't get the 40. snow for once. Chicago did not get the snow. So, woo, on that. So, everybody has a So, there you have it. All sorts of great nuggets and great ideas and great experiences shared once again in our Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. So I hope that you were able to take something, a good idea to be able to take back to your organizations and apply it today. Now, if you are interested in joining this Coffee Chat live, then head on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.